So I'm not a Pro Shop user. No, you're not. They're a great sponsor of ours, and we hear a lot about Pro Shop from you, Jim. And one thing that's kind of surprising to me in in a really good way for them is as I travel, I spend about a third of my life on the road. Yeah. As I travel, this year I've had like three or four different companies yeah. that are all either using Pro Shop and have amazing things to say about really? it. Really? Or they're like one time I walked in and they were telling me, yeah, that's Pro Shop on the screen, but we're just like analyzing which ERP we were going to switch to. They're blowing up, Nick. I mean, seriously. I know. I mean, just from talking to Paul, he's a busy man and you're just hearing about him everywhere. I was like, look, I don't use Pro Shop, but everyone I know who does absolutely loves it. So, But in all seriousness, you're going into these shops across America yeah. and you see it on their yeah. screen and you're like, oh my God, yeah. This- I've seen that before. And I'm like, is that Pro Shop? They're like, yeah. yeah. And one of them was just a, right on the fence about to pull the trigger. You know, maybe... Paul should run for president in 2024. He <laughs> would, would have my vote, man. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Yep. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging. But if you're connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, ultimately grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I've got these two good-looking guys sitting next to me, Jason Zanger and Nick Golner. We're ready to talk manufacturing today. As a matter of fact, we're ready to talk about what I do 95% of the time at Car Machine. Well, you like to talk about what you do all the time, don't you, Jim? Uh, not all the time. But how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I, I, so it's kind of funny you threw in that like ultimately grow your business, and you know we've been giving this this same introduction for a while, and we're we're talking about we need to change it up. So we do. What I would tell the metalworking nation is we're going to probably switch things up for 2021. 2020 has been a hard year, and maybe it's time for a change. I liked this one though. Jim said we were good looking. If you, <laughs> oh, the <laughs> that part that well, should be standard for 2021. That. How about we keep that part of it? But that was a little new, and yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna change the podcast up a little bit. So if there's anybody in the metalworking nation that has any suggestions for us, you know, we'd love to hear it. But stay tuned for a little bit of changes. I think it's important to stay fresh and have new content. You were making a restaurant analogy at one point, weren't you, Nick? Yeah, you can't go to a place where the menu never changes. Right. Right, except for maybe McDonald's. Even McDonald's changes. They do. They're Like the McRib is out, yeah. There's always a new toy in the Happy Meal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there is. Oh my God, do they still sell those? I don't know. I think they were a bigger deal when we were when we were kids. Like I don't think my kids think about Happy Meals. My kids used to get them all the time, all the time. But anyway, before we get into the, you know, the positive kickoff, I just, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about estimating. And, you know, I, I've been doing this for a long time. It's 95% of my role at Car Machine. It's a big responsibility. There's a lot of variables, you know, new customers, state of the economy, complexity of machining, materials, backlog, the right fit for your capabilities and capacities, and on and on and on and on and on. But just a full disclaimer, this is how I do it. You don't have to do it my way. I'm just offering some tips and tricks on what I do to make the estimating process be a little bit more efficient and a little bit more accurate. So you're talking about quoting, right? I'm talking about quoting. Can I tell a quick story about Of course you can. Don't worry about it. you're like running a company and you're still quoting. Yeah. Finally, my father's outside of quoting, but when I was younger, he would come home stressed out. He would have these scrolls, like these big, long scrolls in his hand. I didn't... I was just a kid. I didn't know what they were. Like a huge, blueprint? Huge blueprints, right? Yeah. And I just saw these scrolls and he would be stressed out and he'd be sitting at the table and he'd be like, oh, I've got all these quotes to do. And I didn't know what a quote was. Oh, so you're So I was kidding, just like, what man. is in this scroll? Like, what is he quoting? You know, is it like some, 
does he have to write speeches? I just didn't know what quoting was at all. I just saw him looking at these huge scrolls. And now it's funny because everyone's quoting and that's everybody's biggest challenge. It's like, how do I get all these quotes done? You know what's the, mo- the most important part of a quote? Don't miss the decimal point. Don't miss the decimal <laughs> point. It's very okay. Funny. All right. We have to tell a quick story. No, do you really want to tell this yeah, story? Of course. Okay. Okay. No, so I don't think it's funny. I don't but, think I know about this. Oh, but yeah, go ahead. You got to hear it. The, yeah. the metalworking nation wants to hear about our flaws as, well, as much as they want to hear about our good looks. Well, everybody's got flaws, right? So Jason has a customer and he he's using us for to be the fixture builder for his customers. Sure. Really nice opportunity for hydraulic fixtures. And we were quoting up against another company. And our price was like way better than the other one. I was like, wow, that's... Somebody sharpened their pencil on that one. Yeah, someone yeah. missed a decibel point. So... <laughs> on one of the one of the operations. And it changed like the total price of the quote by like 40-something thousand dollars. Yeah, but who didn't... Did, did you submit it? Was, it? it was someone on my team. Did you submit it? Well, it was a budgetary. It was like oh, a formal... Oh, okay, okay. But we, we got them all excited about this price and then we had to sharpen the pencil and then we didn't get the deal. <laughs> to make a long story story. That's okay. What did you learn? That, you know, good partners work with you on it. We had to kind of like take the blame. Of course, we didn't want Zangers to look silly. Yeah. You guys are the experts. Yeah. <laughs> We're the experts at fixturing, not decimal points. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a big responsibility. Mistakes happen in quoting. You know what I mean? They really do. All the time. Yeah, all the time. They really all do. All the time. Yeah. I mean, that mistake... I can't remember anything like that happening again, but the, you know, the department who did it, they, the leader of the group was like totally owned it. He's like, I need to check everything before it goes out. He, he goes, all we can do is just tell him the truth and give him the real price. So. Well, you just talked about a mistake that you made, Jim. I, I mean, I'm, it's were... going to be in my manufacturing oh, okay. news. All right. So, yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, sometimes if you don't have your material requoted, I mean, you can make a gigantic mistake there. Exactly. So before we get on, I want a special shout out to my new friends, Brad and Pete at Product Development Solutions in Blaine, Minnesota. They're big listeners of the show, and they reached out to me. They were having some issues. They uh, had bought a CNC machine shop there. They didn't have a lot of knowledge about running a machine shop. And they reached out to me just on email and we scheduled a call and we talked to them. And actually and you I, called me I, in the middle I of it. I called Jason at the end of it. Yeah. Because they wanted to tell you off and say that I'm the better well, of the two. Yeah. Yeah. You just, I'm, I'm the one with the most charisma. After five years, you finally got one listener to tell you that you're their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy for you, Jim, because Thank you. you know, like you, you needed that. I know you I needed did that need, encouragement I did need after that. five years of, yeah. of podcasting. Do you guys so. remember when I first came on board and I made that post on Instagram with Bert and Ernie. We did that I I'm TS. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do funny. remember something about Bert and Ernie. It was Bert and Ernie was the picture and I wrote Jason or Jim, who's your favorite? Yeah. Yeah, I guess who won? I don't know. Jason won. Jason oh. won that one. Sure. So Jason, tell me something new that's going on at Zanger's Black. Something exciting. Something. Yeah, no, I do have something very exciting. So over the weekend, I got a lot of work done and I finished our UAT for our new website. Do you know what UAT stands for, Jim? I don't. User acceptance test. Test. Thank you, Nick. Basically, I went through and I was testing our new e-commerce website. And so I'm really excited that it's finally going to be published come 2021. And it is really nice. So in 30 seconds, describe the process of the UAT. What did you do? So as a part of the UAT, you basically just went through all the steps that a user of the site would go through in order to make sure that everything is functioning correctly. So, so I want to buy some end mills or a vice yeah, or something. Yeah, okay. you, you search for those things. You set up a new account. I even 
set up like an existing account and went into that. I placed orders. And one of the great things about our new website is that it's fully integrated. So like I had, I just had a conversation with Tim, who's been our team for like longer than I have for 25 years. He's a, he does our purchasing inventory control. He was actually complaining because one of our suppliers, you place an order on their website and then they have somebody hand key it on the other side. And like it basically like prints out a fax or something. I don't even know exactly, but ours is fully integrated. So like I place these orders over the weekend and they just appear on the printer for our team to pick it and ship it out. Mm, So like it's all completely fully integrated. You'll be able to log into it, see your history, see your receivables, download invoices, pay statements, like all that. I mean, it's like top notch. I'm really, really happy about it. So I finished all that UAT this weekend. And so we got a couple things we got to tweak and then it's going to go live. Awesome. It's a digital world, isn't it? It's a totally digital world. And even the estimating process is uh, going a little digital. But before we get to that, yes, Jason, I do want to talk a little bit about material prices. So I just did a quick Google search today. You got a manufacturing news about that? I do. And so what I found is some writer for uh, The Morning Brew, I guess, said that metal prices surge as manufacturing kicks into high gear. And I thought that was really relevant to what had just happened to me in the last few days with a quote I did. And they came back and said, okay, we want you to re-quote it again at higher quantities. And I didn't take into the fact I didn't have the material re-quoted from over the summer. And now I got an order and I'm going out to my material suppliers and the material's way up. That's a rookie mistake. Well, when you're in a hurry to get it done. It, I know. Yeah. But you would never think. I mean, I've been doing this for a long Usually time. Usually you don't have to check six months later. It doesn't typically go up that much. But from what this writer is telling me, prices of raw material tend to rise when the US and China are playing nice in the trade in the trade sandbox. But most importantly, when they're making a lot of stuff. So because manufacturing is a big resurgence. Supply versus demand. Everything's happening. A lot of things are, you know, going on right now. It's driving cost. And I fell victim to this just recently. So I have to go back to my customer, a major OEM, and tell them that I have to raise the price because at the end of the day, we can't lose money on on work because we want to be a nice guy. Like when you're quoting in your ERP. Yes. Pro Shop ERP, of course. Pro Shop, yep. One of our great sponsors. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything in there for where it references the pricing of your like supply chain? 100%. Okay. So do you have to update it manually? Like weekly, monthly? How does that... I'm just curious. How does that process work for you? So I get the quote today, or I put the price in today. It stays static until it's manually changed. Okay, But I can look and see how old that estimate is and kind of make, you know, last time I put this in the system was in July. It's now October. Think the price is going to go up that much based on what I've been seeing? No. So do you have something in your own, like, personal process where it's like, okay, don't let the price stay the same for more than three months, six months, whatever. Metals in my industry have been staying pretty static. But it's still a commoditized market that's that's traded, you know, like on an exchange. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not gold. It's not silver. It's not, you know. But it's along those same lines. It is. It is. You know, but titanium and now stainless steel, aluminums, copper, brass. The precious metals are the ones that fluctuate the most, of course. 
Whereas, you know, your carbon steels, ductile iron, 6061 aluminum isn't too crazy, but obviously stainless steel and titanium are, are changing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, about the process that I go through when I quote jobs, and we're going to touch a little bit on material costing. So, you know, first of all, I, I said this just a little bit before. I just want everyone to know that these are just tips that I use, and this is the way that I attack an estimating job. And whether it's going to work for you or not, the metalworking nation that's listening to me now, I'm just offering this to equip and inspire you with any any additional information that might help you through that process. And I think prior to you going on Pro Shop, we did a similar episode to this, and you were operating within Excel. Exactly, exactly. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I remember that that episode. Here's what I remember from it. This is before I was even a partner. Tell me. But I remember... You said you like hold the part in your hand while you're quoting it. You set it in front of you and you look at it. And that's just the one thing I I remember. It's like you don't do it all just off of a print. You actually have the physical part there. Because it really helps. Yeah. And I'll go into that. So first of all, let's break it down into three things in estimating. There's the estimator, there's the tools, and there's the tactics. So for the estimator, the estimator should have a strong background in machining, and fully understand the process. Setup, programming, tooling, cutting tools, material and alloys, tolerances, metallurgy, finishes, and capacities. Why are all those important? Because if you're not familiar with those processes, you can't efficiently quote a job. So you've got to have those those skill sets before you really do it. And of course, the longer you've been in the industry, the more you should know those things. Like it's important to know metallurgy because if you've got a piece of coral steel and you're taking off three sixteenths to a quarter inch off one side and you plan on unclamping it from your work holding, the stress that's in coral steel is so dramatic that that part is going to bow like a banana. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about, well, do we have to stress relieve that part? Can we find an alternate material? So these are all the things that the estimator is thinking in his head when he's quoting the job. Well, that's why like a lot of the people that quote jobs are either engineers or product managers or something like that that are intimately familiar with like all the factors that are involved with the final product. Right. So then I have the tools. The tools, what I'm talking about here is not cutting tools, but a robust ERP. You do need cutting tools. I know, but that's that's the estimator. (laughs) You're not making money. Exactly. You do need cutting tools. So you do need to have a knowledge of cutting tools and cutting tool techniques because if you're using a high-speed end mill nowadays and you're only thinking it's going to take you 20 minutes to make that one cut, you're going to be way right. off. You're not going to be competitive against your competition. Yeah, cycle times are important. Huge. And, and you know, we do this all the time for, for our clients where we, we actually we map out the entire manufacturing process for the part so that they have an estimation of cycle time so they can use that in order to, to get a true cost of what it, what it is. Everything's connected. Everything is connected. Yeah. Good work holding. I mean, yeah. yeah if you're trying to understand, okay, how long are my tools going to last? Well, that's based on the metallurgy. Yeah. And so all of these different factors are all connected. And this is an industry where you got to know a lot if you want to be good at quoting. Right. Or have great partners. 
Yeah, there you go. Just hire Jason. He knows everything. Yes, he does. I wasn't referring to myself. I'm just saying in general, you should have great partners in order to make sure that the process goes well. So the tools, what I mean is not the cutting tools. Remember I said the estimator, the tools, and the tactics. Mm -hmm. The tools are a robust ERP, either a spreadsheet, Excel, or Google Sheets. A calculator. You know what a calculator is, Jason? Uh, Yeah, it's on my phone. Okay, yeah, you're right. It is on your phone, but you can also get a freestanding one. You can get a Texas Instruments one. A pencil, (laughs) a number two pencil with an eraser is helpful. A highlighter. In case your calculator was wrong. In case your calculator is (laughs) wrong. Online resources for material and hardware costs. So like online metals or alro.com or McMaster Car, those are all good resources to have to get data from because material costs, tooling costs, whatever the case may be. And then tactics, tactics, what I mean by that are things that influence the cost. So when you start looking at a print, I look at the size of the part, I look at the weight, I look at the tolerances, the machining complexities. Is this exotic material that's going to drive cost or it's going to be really hard to cut? And then special finishes like PTFE impregnated hard coat anodizing, who's going to do it, and then masking and then chem conversion processes. And then finally, quantity. Quantity is is probably one of the biggest drivers of cost because it could take you 10, 12, 15 hours to set up one operation or one job, and it's only going to take you 30 minutes to cut, actually cut the part. So estimator? That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but- No, it's not. Honest to God. Do you sometimes set up for 12 hours and cut for 30 minutes? We could literally, yes- so what I know doing, you have long setup times, but I oh I should show you extreme. some pictures. You know, in our fifth axis now, we're doing one setup. We're hitting all the sides of the parts in one setup now. So all we have to do is think about hold, work holding mm-hmm. is holding that part once, and we can manipulate the part, articulate the part. And then you just like have a little tab and you snap it off. Exactly. I was just talking to Ryan about it over the weekend. And I'm like, well, what do you do? Basically, the material becomes the work holding. But you got to order a little bit extra to hold on to it. Right. You have to have enough for the vice to And then you got to think about the strategy about cutting it because I would cut it furthest away from your work holding first because you've got a thick piece of material. As you start taking away, the part isn't as rigid anymore Mm -hmm. and you're going to have issues. So anyway. The only part that I would disagree with you on is that I'm not sure if like all the young engineers and out and everything out there are, are actually using a standalone adding machine and a pencil and a highlighter like you are. That's what my disclaimer was at the beginning of this podcast. This is what I do. You don't have to use it, but if somebody sees something that, you know, sounds good, try it. I want to step back to the uh, tools for a second. I've heard that people are using Xometry to figure out like kind of what's the market price for a certain set of services. Yep. You could absolutely use that as well. Do you guys ever do that? Yes, we do. So you'll go to Zometry, you'll put in like what you need to do and you'll see, okay, kind of what, what kind of. I mean, as a reference cost? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't do that that often, but I have used Zometry and of course, you know, they're a partner of making chips. If I need to outsource some CNC machining, I use Zometry. And that's well known. I've I've said that to the metal. But what Nick's trying to say is like as a user looking to have somebody else make the parts, you can also use it in order to get a reference point for what the the job would cost. For this job, you know? So anyway, let's start at 30,000 feet. So we got the tools, we got the guy, we got the tactics. 
So let's start. So we're at 30,000 feet. Get out the highlighter. Don't laugh. And yes, I still print all the prints. I don't do it all the time, but for the most part, when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm in my zone, I close out my email, I put my earbuds in, I put on some 70s disco or some <laughs> heaven, 70s hard banging. The Bee Gees. I do listen to the Bee Gees. But you can no, tell I, by the way I quote my prints. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So yes, I print all the prints, I go through, I collate them, you know, and then I start looking through one of three, she two of three, she three, and I put them in order in how the customer, the customer's order. So they may not be sequential in print numbers, but I do it that way. So everything's, my OCD is in overdrive. Oh, so the customer sees it in their order. Always have. If they send it to you with 10 line items... The line numbers have to be in your quote the same way that you do it. So I quote them that way too. But when I submit the quote, if there's 20 line items, the way the customer submitted them to me is the way they're going to get them back. That's great. So you don't make them adapt to you. You adapt to them. That's Isn't that what we're doing? We're servicing customer the customer. Service. That's a first class experience, Jason. We're servicing the customer. And there's more things that I do. But anyway, we're still 30,000 feet. So we got these prints. I know it's old school. Then I go through with the highlighter and I highlight all the material alloys, the thickness, width, and length, because most of the time we're doing three, four, and five axis machining. I need to know what the size of that part is. And then I highlight the tolerance blocks or any unique features on that print that's going to drive cost. Like let's say there's a funky finish on it or there's masking or let's say you have something that there's a flatness call out of one thousandth of an inch over 20 inches, It's which is nearly impossible to do. I highlight that all from the beginning. So we've done that. We're down at 20,000 feet. I start doing the material cost. The material costs is what I've just highlighted. And what I do with that is either I go to an online resource to get a material cost, but I'm pretty familiar with what the cost per pound is on carbon steel, aluminums, and titanium. And then I write down on the print physically in an oversized condition, what I would buy, what would be the requirement that I'd have to go oversize for them to machine it all the way down. And then I determine the weight. So anything with like with steel, carbon steels, it's always thickness times width times length times 283. That is your calculation for determining weight on carbon steels. And then carbon steel is about $2.60 a pound. Stainless steel is about $6.75 a pound. And then aluminum is just thickness times width times length times 0.1. And material aluminum at 6061 is about three bucks a pound. But any aircraft, aerospace materials, 7075, 7050, that's all about seven bucks a pound. So that last, that times point whatever is what changes based on the price of the commodities then? It's the decimal point and it puts it into a weight. Oh, per no, pound. that's just determining your weight. What is that coffee cup going to yeah. weigh? Okay, so that determines your weight. The next variable, which is like what's the cost per pound for you, is what fluctuates. That's what's fluctuating. Gotcha. This is a lesson learned. I've got to be a little bit more cognizant of this in the future. But titanium, we're doing a lot of titanium cutting right now, and it's thickness, width, length, times 0.163. And then titanium is running about 33 bucks a pound, so it's very expensive. All that has to... I just put that cost on the paper print, 
And then at 10,000 feet, I start entering all this information into the, in my ERP system. If you're listening and you don't have an ERP system to do this, just do it on a spreadsheet in some capacity. But this is all relevant information. And, and Well, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Spreadsheet versus your ERP. You used to do it on a spreadsheet. Obviously, you've invested in ProShop. You talk about it a lot on the show. Yep. You're still putting in inputs. There's still some sort of calculation, and then you get an output on the other end. What is the advantage to doing it in ProShop versus a spreadsheet? It's much more sophisticated, and it's much more granular. You could probably create a spreadsheet in much the same way that ProShop was, but I have a feeling Jim wasn't like a power Excel I was user not. or anything like that. Sure. So sure. it probably was more unsophisticated. You're very familiar with doing formulas. and Yeah. I'm okay, but nowhere probably near the capacity you can work at. But really, I think the fundamentals of ProShop is all spreadsheet-based yeah, anyway. I mean, all software systems are object-based programming or whatever yeah. the nerds would say. But I mean, your company has changed quite a bit since the spreadsheet days to a, a new ERP. It has. And in 10 seconds, like, what's the biggest difference from before where you were doing it in spreadsheets and they were maybe all like disconnected to now when you do it directly in the ERP? You can control your margins. Oh, really? You, wow. Yes, you can control your margins. You can put in your sales and person's commission. You can put in, oh my gosh, so much. You can control the percentage of runtime. So let's say it's a production job and there's 100 pieces. Let's just say it's 100 pieces. So I know that the runtime that I've allocated for that particular operation where the actual end mill is cutting the material, I know that the CNC machine operator is not going to be standing at the machine watching that cut for the whole time. So I can kind of guesstimate, eh, I think Scott's going to be only at the machine about 65% of the runtime. So I can put that calculation in because he's going to be doing something else and he's going to be- So that other 35% of Scott's time can be allocated to a different job. Another work order. Sure. Exactly. So I have, I have control over that. So what I'm getting is the- the detail, the details, it's, is so much better now. It's granular, Nick. Yeah. Exactly. And then my other guess would be like that. It obviously tracks this over time, so you can yeah, you can you run can reports against the data larger and trends, everything. Yeah. yeah, totally. But then all my finishes, my outside services, stress relieving, heat treating, chrome plating, anodizing, and then I can control the markup. So if I'm doing one, two, three, ten pieces, and I have to buy tools, my tools are in there. If I'm cutting stainless steel or titanium, it's really abrasive, my tooling costs. So I'm going to be ordering from Zangers a lot yeah. more, right? right? So I put in a cost associated with that column of quantity level. How much is it going to cost to get end mills, tools, dreamers, blah, 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 taps for that particular column of quantity? And then as it goes up, I increment it up, but I always mark up that. You can probably apply a general percentage of your sales is going to be used towards your tooling. And it varies depending on the type of material that you're cutting. If you're cutting aluminum, it's going to be less. If you're cutting titanium, it's going to be more just because of the you know the nature of the material. You need to understand metallurgy to even figure this it helps. out in the first place. Right. Because somebody that doesn't know the difference in how aluminum is going to cut to versus a pre-hardened high carbon metal, it's crazy. You know? They're going to misquote how quickly or how long totally. it'll take for their consumables to But even to for work. like cutting tools, I mean, the actual cost of the cutting tool itself 
is it's not going to vary by 10%. You know what I mean? But it's how quickly it'll get consumed. It is how quickly it'll get consumed. But if you're, if you're utilizing your cutting tools correctly, it's not going to vary that much. You know what I mean? So like you're better off spending your time with the cutting tools, improving your cycle times and you know that sort of strategy. That's going to save you more money. Gotcha. It is. So all I do is I, I look at the material, I look at the alloy and I say, oh, this is a really tough alloy. You better put more money in for the and it's literally it's just a a random number in my head that I put on the into the ERP. But then I can control the margins of the all the markups of all the outside services. Of course, the higher I'm going to mark it up twenty percent if it's only a two thousand dollar job. But if it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar job or more, I kind of give them a little bit of grace on the markup because if I'm going to invest fifty thousand dollars in metal, I feel awful by marking it up 20%. So Mm -hmm. I can control the columns. So mark up by... And I typically tear it down. I start at 20 and then I go down to 17 and then I go down to 15 and then I go... Sometimes I go down to 10%. But anyway, if you're not using an ERP system, because I know that there's a lot of you out there that are listening that are not using an ERP system, at the very least, you should have a column for setup. How much time is it going to set it up? How much programming time? What is going to be the runtime? How much is the tooling? Is the tooling going to be a cost? Is going to affect the price? Inspection. Inspection is another big thing. The material cost. We talked about that already. Outside services, heat treating, stress relieving, grinding, welding, anodizing, whatever. Shipping costs is another thing that is in my ERP that is very important because if you're shipping parts cross-country for special finishes and it's got to go, all of a sudden you're a little late. Now, all of a sudden, that what it would take five days ground to get to California for that special process, guess what? We're shipping it red. The cost goes up right. exponentially, yeah. right? So now it's $200 to ship that part to California and back. So shipping costs are a huge thing. Scrap. We all in our business we're we're dealing with really close tolerance parts that are very complex. So you have some sort of risk factor. Yeah. And that I imagine when you were talking about like expensive materials like titanium, if you say, Hey, you know, nobody's perfect, it's we're likely gonna scrap one out of every fifty of these parts or whatever, you you put more of a risk factor in. If I'm quoting a job, they're always buying two pieces. If they say quote me a price on one piece, I'm quoting two pieces. If they if it's two pieces, I'm quoting three. Four, I'm quoting five. 20, I'm quoting 22. Because the scrap factor, because the complexities of the machining are so intricate that I just, you know, we, we, we can't. And I can't, you know, I, I have to think about that. So you mentioned that you were like, and then there's this one thing, which is just a number in my head. I can't remember exactly what you were talking about, but you were like- Tooling. Yeah, there's just a number in my head. I don't use any science for it. And what we found is- there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. We've got our veterans that are like cowboys and they do like napkin sketches. They've done it so much. They don't put they don't do spreadsheets. They don't have all the calculations. They've just this is like that job. This fixture is like that fixture. I can quote it. I know there's going to be roughly these many vices. There's hydraulics, there isn't hydraulics and they they just they make a lot of educated guesses and they, Right. Well, veteran people can get it and they get really close. They get yeah. really freaking close. We call that the Jim Carr quote. In our shop, the John will say do a Jim Carr quote on that, which is just an est- I can look at a print quantity, material, size, complexity, tolerance, finishes. I can pretty much ballpark it within about fifteen percent. So then you've got that right, and on the other side of the spectrum, you've got like we've got this younger guy who's like what you were describing earlier: formulas, Excel, macros, all sorts of crazy stuff going on, and he yep. can 
He puts a ton of time into it, yep. and then he gets a very precise quote. And if you don't get the job, if you quote something, you don't get it. All that time that went into quoting yep. is just waste, right? You're not getting paid for your work. I cannot charge for quoting. Exactly. Like a plumber comes to your house and quotes out what it's going to cost for two hot water tank. They charge 150 bucks. But if you buy it from us, we'll take it off, right? Yeah. You can't do that. I can't do that. So what's challenging for us is... The cowboy quote, you, the risk is like, what if you quote it wrong? It, it doesn't cost the company as much. But if you get the order, it could. Right. If you get the order, it could. If you get the order, it could be the worst thing that happened because right. the cowboy quoted it. What if you, you cowboy quoted it wrong? Exactly. At least it's all spelled out. We know in the ERP where we went wrong. Right? And on the other end, it's like, oh, well, this guy put three weeks into quoting. Jason and I just went through this together on at opportunity where we missed a decimal in the budgetary. The real loser in that situation was the engineer. Yeah, our engineer put like two weeks into. It's hard to quote fixtures. It's not cut and dry. You you don't know exactly what it's going to be. You're like, well, I think it'll be roughly this many components, but it's a design engineering project Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yep. I'll be honest with you. That's like our biggest challenge in that group is just how do we put the right amount of time into quoting and. That the impetus falls a lot on the salespeople for that. You really need to make sure that it's qualified, that it's a qualified opportunity. If I'm going to have an engineer work oh, 40 hours totally. concepting a quote for somebody who's just fishing, as a sales guy, I'm filling my pipeline, which is, oh, you're doing a great job. No, you're screwing your company. Oh, totally. And in, in your case, it wasn't even the engineer that messed up. It was the admin that messed up translating the numbers into the ERP yeah, system. Yeah. So if it would have been just the engineer entering into the ERP system, it probably would have went correct. Because it was handed off to a data entry person? It was his pencil and paper that was handed off to a data admin person, and that person incorrectly saw the numbers and entered into the ERP And, and I'm sure that this happens to everybody. I mean, everybody misses a decimal point or fudges a number here and there. But the, the real challenge is, do you... Like, I think the future is becoming more and more exact, right? Everything's got to be exact if we're ever going to get to Industry 4.0. Well, we have the resources nowadays to be more exact. You know what I mean? Not everything is just totally cut and dry. No, not everything is totally... We're trying to minimize the guessing part. The variables, yeah. The variables. And if you can automate the process more, the actual engineer or the person that's doing the quoting can enter it into the ERP system, which is what you do, as opposed to doing it on paper than having somebody else potentially screw it up. This is not necessarily a shout-out for ProShop, but once I enter in all those options operations, that workflow, I'm the one that's starting the workflow for the shop. So when it eventually does convert to a PO, all that workflow's already in, the part number, the revision level, everything, the contact name, the how is the customer going to pay, how do we ship it, is it UPS red, is it on collect, is it prepay and add, is it freight, we have all the numbers, is it ITAR compliant, do they need electronic data packages, do we put the paper the thing, and everything is controlled. So ProShop makes you less of a cowboy. Yes, it's just a, a way to amp it up. Jim's starting to get leathery skin. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> He's been I am. smoking Marlboro Reds. He wears a cowboy hat now. I used to smoke Marlboro Lights, actually. That was 100 years ago, though. Thank God that's over with. Right, so there's a couple other things. Flags. I always call them red flags. My dad used to say, I see a red flag. Oversized materials. Again, I can't stress this enough. If you're looking at an 8.5 by 11 print, and it ends up weighing... 2,000 pounds. Do you have the crane capacity? The thing is, when you see it on an eight and a half by 11, 
you better make sure you can blow that up and make it into put it into perspective as much as you can because the cost just skyrockets on oversized material. The other thing is we're talking flags, red flags, highly toleranced, over tolerance specifications, exotic materials or materials that are difficult to cut, capabilities. Does this part truly need a fifth axis? And then low quantity and high complexity two of the biggest drivers in our industry. One or two pieces and with huge complexity, that along with high tolerances and special finishes, you're already in aerospace. Yeah, you talked about over-tolerance. So this is, again, where the more just overall manufacturing understanding that the estimator has can really be helpful. Sometimes the people who are putting these prints together and putting the tolerances on are just, kind of like maybe young and experienced, they tend to over-tolerance everything because they don't want to screw up. They don't realize they're just like blowing their cost out for no reason. They're making the sales team's job more difficult. Yeah, so exactly. we do that. It's called DFM, Design for Manufacturability. We try to engage with our clients on the front end of the design process. It hasn't been approved yet for production, so they send us the design with their tolerancing yeah, on it. Do you really need that? Exactly. You really need two exactly. Yeah. So we do a, a Google Hangout or a Zoom or whatever the case may be. We put the part up. I start looking at it right away. And I'm like, oh, do you really need that? Oh my God, you're, you've got a 1,000 flatness over 24 inches on a part that's very, got a lot of stress in them. I said, it's never going to happen. What you just put on the print is, is impossible to achieve. So we need to talk right now. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, and even if you put 10,000 flatness down, it's going to be, we can do it, but it's going to take double the time because we're going to have to go through all these processes to get, do you really need that? So we do a little bit of that too, Jim, like like related to you know design for manufacturing. So we we just had a customer that bought a million dollar CNC machine. And usually we don't get the opportunity because the machine tool dealer specs out all the cutting tools. And usually they don't spec it out in what is would be most efficient. But fortunately, this customer pushed the machine tool dealer to get us involved. And we changed a bunch of stuff in order to improve their manufacturing of that part. And you know, if you just get another set of eyeballs on there, I mean, you could really make improvements to not only the machining process, but the design for manufacturability and everything like that. I mean, it's just, it really helps to get a team effort into the quoting process when it's a big deal. Yep. We call it manufacturing planning where it's on the front end and we are talking about how are we going to cut it? What machine is it going to go into? What is the lead time? What what are the red flags that you're going to see? So, so how do we wrap this up, Jim? Well, we're at 30,000, 20,000, 10,000. Guess what? Now we're landing. The plane is landing. We're, we're ready to do it. You're always on long flights. Yes. Time to put it all together. Is there a meal on the flight? Well, it depends on where you're sitting. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> so how do we put it all together? So of course, I'm going to be a cheerleader for Pro Shop using an ERP system or any other one. If whatever you're comfortable with, just use it. It's the slickest way to put it all together. I almost always offer discounted pricing. What I mean by that is they want two, I'm going to go two, four, six. Because when do you stop getting the quantity discounts? Never. I would say when, once you're up into the hundreds. Then you don't get it. I mean, the price might be, Thirty nine ninety five, and then it might be thirty eight ninety five. Maybe, maybe it would just go down fifty yeah, cents. At some point, there's diminishing returns on volume, yeah, and yeah, I mean, when you're up in the hundreds and thousands, there you're you're talking pennies difference. So it's a whole different way of quoting. So we're still landing. Uh, create a proposal that is professional and most importantly 
easy to read. You can't believe how many times I go out for quotes to my vendors, my suppliers, and they send me back a quote. It takes me a half hour to even understand how they've got it. They don't put revision levels in. They don't put the name of the part. They don't put the delivery. They don't do it. Define the terms and conditions. What's included in that price? Does it include freight? Does it include the tooling? Define the material. Spell it out. Because if you're looking at a print and it says 304 stainless and you quoted 303, put it in the terms and conditions. Because once you come back, you say, well, we said it right here. Always include revision levels, inspection reports. Does it include how sophisticated of inspection reports? Do you want a PPAP inspection report? Do you need a CMM inspection report? All those things cost you time and money. So Extra. it's got to cost more on the quote. They have to tell us up front, though, because I have to put that price into the estimate. Again, do they require certificates of conformance? Do they require uh, material certifications, process certifications? And then, of course, got to give them a realistic delivery date. Again, good guess. NREs, non-reoccurring engineering costs. So when you're up and doing a lot of quantity pricing, I can extract the setup cost. They can pay that in one lump sum. And then every time they reorder that job, it's a little different. And the exclusions. So if I don't want to put the helicoils in there in the terms and conditions, I say, less helicoils, less finish, less welding, whatever. Just spell it out. And then I would follow up with the customer. I you know everyone's different about following up. You have that's your sales guy's role is he's got the relationship with the client on when it's appropriate to follow up. Once you submit that quote, is it a day, two, three, a week, two weeks, whatever. Is that variable or do you have a standard? I, I let my salesman, John, determine when he, because he's engaging with the client, right? He knows how they are. He knows their disposition. A canned, standardized, okay, one day follow up every time. You don't want to bug somebody. Right, right. I think that's wise. To I think leave too. Because we have follow up in our sales process too. And some of the guys are right away because I know this one is hot. Other guys are like, you know, this is for next quarter. So right. I'm not going to follow up tomorrow. Right. So, Metalworking Nation, if you're listening, I hope I equipped and inspired you and gave you a little bit more information on estimating. And I wish you the best because believe me, I know I sit in that seat all the time. And good luck. Let me know how you do. You can always email me, Jim at Making Chips. Yeah, I'd love to hear if somebody is like, you know, Jim. You're full of it. You're full of it, or I do about 90% of the same thing you do, but I do these other tweaks. I'd love if, to if hear somebody that. somebody has that, we would love to hear it. We'd love to you know, get your expertise on making chips. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. It's about bringing all of our collective brains together in order to elevate our leadership at our companies and and be better as U.S. manufacturing companies. Yeah, especially for like, if there's anyone out there who's got like an engineer to order solution, whatever it is. I'd be interested to hear how you handle that that issue where it's like, okay, how exact are you trying to be on something where you have to design and then build it? If you have any great feedback, we'd love to hear it. Sure. And they can also call us at 312-725-0245. Leave me a voicemail. We don't answer the calls, but leave a voicemail. We'll get back with you. Because you know if you're not quoting correctly. And you're not making chips. You're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips Podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.
I almost always offer discounted pricing. What I mean by that is if the customer comes and says, I need two of these, I need two of those, I need one already. of these. What? You talked about this already. I did? Yeah, you said two. You said one go to two, two go to three. Sure no, I always, I, I didn't talk about this oh, yet. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's okay. Don't worry about it. I know I'm talking a lot. Listen, Metalworking Nation, if this pandemic has taught me one thing, it's that we need to accelerate our digital transformation. You can't get into shops the same way anymore. Business isn't done the same way as it once was, and it's only going to continue to trend in that direction. Let me tell you about a company that is doing just that. It's Zometry. So what is Zometry? Zometry is custom manufacturing on demand. They have over 5,000 partners and their network has the capacity you need for prototyping and production. They're AS9100 and ISO 9001 certified, registered with ITAR. You can get an instant quote today for any of the services that you might need, whether it be CNC machining, 3D printing, injection molding, sheet metal, finishing services. You can even buy materials. Zometry is trusted by the engineers and purchasing leaders at the world's most successful companies like BMW, GE, NASA, Dell, and Bosch. Listen, if you want to turbocharge the way you make custom parts, check out Zometry. It's really easy. X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com and you can get a quote today.